Scott Price, I am the youth pastor here at Mosaic Church, and so it's a real honor and privilege to be able to be with you this morning. And we have some amazing special guests here this morning, and uh, they're, they're my favorite, and they're all here today. And there are 5th through 12th grade students that are here today. And so if you're around the room, would you just give a hand for them? All around the room, 5th through 12th grade students have chosen to be with us this morning so we could all be together and do this message together. So they're here with us today, so I appreciate them being able to be here. Uh, as, uh, as the youth pastor, we have a great time with students, and we just enjoy life. It reminds me a lot of times of what it was like to be a middle school student or a high school student. And so um, speaking of fifth graders, I can remember in fifth grade when uh, I had a really cool joke. Remember how cool you were, you, how cool you felt you were when you were at at school and at recess and lunch, and you had a cool joke. And, and so I would see my friends and I'd say, hey, you guys hungry? I'm like, yeah, always hungry. My friends are always hungry. So yeah, you want a Hertz donut? And they're like, oh, sure. And then I'd punch them in the shoulder as hard as I could, and they go, Hertz donut? And I go, it was really funny. And so since it's donut morning, I figured that kind of go along with it. That was a really fun joke and a good time until I hit uh, the uh, playground bully, Richard Turner. And it wasn't so funny anymore when I said, hurts donut. He goes, no, I'll show you what hurts donut means. And it didn't feel so good anymore. So I don't do that joke anymore. Uh, it took that to figure out that that probably wasn't that funny after all. So, but yes, we are here this morning on Donut Morning. It's really good. I wasn't sure how to take that. You know, I, I get to speak, but it's Donut Morning. It's like, is that because we need something else sweet to bring? Make sure everybody would come to church today. But uh, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I get to share with you today about the bread of life. Uh, if you're hungry today, you have donuts, but we got something even better to share with you. As we get into John chapter 6, we continue our series as we talk about uh, who Jesus is. And it's just incredible, uh, the series we've already had in the in the messages that Pastor Adam has brought to us, and so we can really get a focus on who this Jesus is that we serve. And it's incredible stuff, and today is definitely the case as well, too. John chapter 6, and there's so much there that we can learn about. Hey, I was flying back from, uh, actually flying from Philadelphia, or, yeah, Cleveland to Philadelphia. I was doing some uh, disciple-making training in the past weeks, and as I got on the plane, I sat next to a professor, and she was telling me about her presentation that she was going to be doing, and I said, I'm doing a presentation too, and so I got to share with her about how that we can uh, help make disciples, and what a difference that makes is when we invest our lives into somebody else who will invest their life into somebody else, and so that, that for the sake of the gospel, we can pass it on into generation to generation, and uh, so she was sharing with me what she was sharing, and then she said this thing that got my attention. She says, do you know what women think about every afternoon? And I'm like, Never even thought to think that thought. So I don't know. I have no idea. She's like, every woman, almost every woman thinks about this every afternoon. I'm like, I wonder what that would be. She, and uh, she says, it's pretty simple if you think about it. It's like, what's for dinner tonight? And <laughs> what's going to be on the plate? What are you hungry for? And I think about that. That's very true. How many times have we even done that text or that call? Like, hey, so what are you thinking for dinner tonight? What, do you th what are you hungry for? And so this morning, we're going we're to address that. What are you hungry for? Food is an important part of life. It's part of our culture. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. Answering that question, yes, about the whole, what are we hungry for? It's really nice if you can have an answer. Uh, I found that sometimes, uh, you know, I don't know. That doesn't work so well. You know, that's like the last answer my wife wants to hear. What do you, oh, I don't know, whatever you want, you know. Um, and then really, it's kind of a tough question because if you say, okay, um, if we're going to eat at home, uh, should we eat healthy? Or should we get what we want to eat, you know? Uh, do we eat a lot of it or less of it? What time? For me, timing is important because I want to get a workout in, and yet uh, there's some things she wants to get done, too, so we got to find that right place. When are the kids home? All those things come into play as well, too. 
Um, or it's like, well, hey, you want me just to pick something up on the way home? And then it's just a matter of what is it that we pick up. Or you can just go to the old, like, hey, hey, how about, don't worry about it. I'm just going to take you out tonight. And that's the easy one for me because then she can get whatever she wants and I can get whatever I want. And everybody's happy. So um, what are you hungry for? In our world, eating is a very important part of our culture, not just for nutrition's sake, although there's much to say about that. Some of us uh, eat to live and some of us live to eat. You know, it's like a, there's a reason why we can't wait for that next meal because it's so fulfilling but um, food's a big part of our life. I, I have to share this, uh, one more story before we get started today about um, when we were in Jamaica on a mission trip. We had a bunch of students, and we're, we had the chance to share the gospel. And, and so in the evening, we had a chance to go out and actually be in the community a little bit. It was really awesome. And the deal was we were going to a Jamaican jerk chicken place where they made the Jamaican jerk uh, out there, outside. It was awesome. You could smell it a mile away before you get there. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And we get there, and it was just even better than I, I dreamed in my life. And I still, oh, I wish I had it now. It's so, so good. If you've never had Jamaican jerk chicken in Jamaica, especially if it's not a tourist place, it's going to be incredible. So we're there, and I'm like, this is awesome. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And my son comes over. He's been hanging out with a bunch of his friends. And he goes, he says, Dad, I'm an idiot. I go, I don't think you are. Actually, we've always nicknamed him Baby Einstein because he's actually really smart. But when he, So if he says he's an idiot, something happened. You know, I want to find out what, what is this thing that happened. And so he's like, you know, this chicken is so good, right? I go, yeah. He says, well, you know, they got some really good seasoning and spices that they say you can put on, some hot sauce to make it even better. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to enjoy the chicken for what it's worth. And he's like, well, yeah, about that. So we thought we'd try it, and I got the hottest stuff. And so I put it on there, and everybody's like, oh, you better not do that. You know how guys are. And so he puts it on there, and then he eats it, and everybody's like, oh, man. And he's like, oh, Dad, it was so much hotter than I expected. I go, well, that's awful. He says, yeah. He says, six. The only problem was is that as I was eating it, it was so messy, and it was falling off. And, and so the chicken sauce got onto my hand, and so I had all this hot sauce on it. I'm like, oh. Oh, it's so hot. I'm sweating. And the first thing I did was to wipe my eyes with all that hot sauce. So, Dad, you notice my eyes are puffing up? <laughs> so, so we were praying, obviously, Lord, that please do not let Logan uh, get his eyes swollen shut today on this mission trip as we are in Jamaica, far, far from, uh, from home. So, hey, food's important. In the Old Testament, we find that there were festivals around food, and there were certain things to eat and how important it was. In the New Testament, we find that uh, Jesus is constantly making uh, important connections with people who were, uh, and he would use the uh, opportunity to eat with them. So he would be eating with tax collectors, and he would be ridiculed for that. He would take time to eat with the Pharisees who were in opposition to who he was. He would eat many meals with his disciples, many that we can think about. There was so much to do with food, and it actually was a, uh, an important part of the culture that if you said, hey, let's eat a meal together, it was far more than just eating food. So much like it is today in many ways, right? If the right person says, hey, let's get coffee, or hey, let's uh, come, we want to have you over for dinner. There's something about that that says, let's connect, let's bond. It's an important time as we come together. But we're going to share a story today from John chapter 6 about some people that were hungry. They weren't quite hungry right away, but they would find themselves hungry in a certain place there. So uh, join with me as we go into John 6. Now notice, this is a passage that is, uh, it's one of, the, one of those uh, passages that's included in all four of the Gospels. And so in uh, Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, you'll find the same thing here that's all here in, in John chapter 6. So John chapter 6 and verse 1 says this, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known the Sea of Tiberias. 
a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs and he healed the sick. So this huge crowd starts following because he's doing miracles. He's healing the sick. He's doing great things. And so they want to find out more about this. And it's pretty awesome because you can see the people understand that Jesus benefits your life. Now, it was superficial at this point. I shouldn't say superficial. If you have a need, it's your need, and that's what you know. But, but they didn't know yet what they really needed was going to be him. But at this point, it was like, hey, I have some curiosity. I want to find out who this Jesus is. Um, I have some, some problems in my life. I need some healing. Perhaps he can take care of that. Whatever the case may be, there were crowds flocking to hear him. And wouldn't they be, right? It makes sense. As we go on here, you see in verse 3, it says that, and I like this part, it says, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Notice that. He climbed a hill. Well, that. My Savior's a rock climber, mountain climber. He climbed a hill with his guys, you know. And then they get together, and he's with his disciples all around him. And it says in verse 4, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked him, he said, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Interesting question, right? Because here all these people are coming now. He's investing in their life. He's building relationships. He's connecting with them. He's teaching, as we will learn later, that this is actually what he's doing. He finds out that there's needs there, and he's healing people. So there's a lot going on here. And as he sees the crowd continue to come, and it's swelling to large, large crowds. So if you can imagine this place being full, there'd be 800 people in here. Now take that times, however many, because it says here there will be 5,000 men and their families. So there was a lot of people here on this day. So he's seeing all that, and he turns to Philip, and he says, and I love that Jesus is always on mission, intentionally making disciples. And so he looks at this opportunity. He doesn't waste it either, and he leans over to Philip and says, hey, where can we buy enough bread to feed all these people? Just look at them. Just keep coming and keep coming. I would like to know how they knew that there was 15 to 20,000 people there. How, how did they know that? I mean, do they take a census? I mean, like, how do you know? That's a lot of people. And he just leans over and is like, what do you think? How are we going to feed these people? And, of course, Philip, you know, let's give him a little bit of credit there. Uh, you know, he would probably think like you and I do. Like, I don't know either. That's a great question. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in those uh, Gospels, it says here that at this time, Jesus also uh, mentions that he has compassion on them. It says Jesus sees the crowd, and he has compassion on them because he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. He sees them for who they really are. They're lost. They're clueless. They have greater needs than just a big, this big crowd coming. Now, they probably looked happy. It was probably a celebration. It was a party. Going, What's going on? This, this guy's in town. Um, but he sees them for who they really are, and Jesus sees us that way. He has compassion on us. He can have compassion on them, for he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. So then it goes on. He starts teaching them, and he starts healing them, and so he spends this day healing and teaching them because he sees them for who they are in great need, so he's meeting those needs because Jesus can. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus in that way, I want to just wet your whistle with that concept that Jesus meets needs. He meets our needs right where we are. And so that's what he's doing. He's taking time to heal people. He's teaching people. He's investing. It's been a long day. Verse 6, we'll go on here because now we'll see why Jesus asked Philip that question. He says here in verse 6, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Isn't that interesting? Philip replied, even if we worked for months, Lord, wouldn't we, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. 
And, of course, the, the amount is 200 denarii, which was basically 200 days' worth of wages. So, in other words, if we, we can't take care of this right now. We don't have the money to do this. In fact, if we were to work for months, we couldn't raise that. 200 days' worth of wages to be able to try to feed that many people. And that was an estimate. Who knows if that would have been enough, you know? And so here it was. There's all these people. And Philip actually answers this question, and he says, you know, hey, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. But interestingly enough, Jesus was testing him. And then an interesting thought there that Jesus was testing him. Interesting in our life, a lot of times we say, you know, I think God's testing me right now, when maybe really we have to kind of consider, is that a tribulation or is that actually a temptation that we're going through? And the differences are, are clear. Uh, tribulation is suffering or trouble that's usually resulting from some kind of oppression. Something's going wrong in our life. There's some kind of results. It's usually a result of something. Uh, sometimes it's somebody else's fault. Sometimes it's our own fault. But that, that can be a tribulation. But a temptation is, is that desire to do something that will cause you to, to do something wrong. In the book of James, it says this, that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So sometimes we have tribulations, sometimes we have temptations in our life, and we say, I think God's testing me. Or maybe it's just that we're going through a problem. Or maybe it is that we, we have a temptation in our life, and it has nothing to do with what God's doing in our life. It's something that we maybe brought on ourselves, or maybe people are putting in our life. But when God's testing us, it's different. It's more like a trial. and says, a good definition, that would be a test that's usually over a limited period of time to discover how effective or suitable something or someone is. I like that. I like that concept, that, that there are times when Jesus is going to test us. God is going to test us to cause our faith to grow. It's not till we're tested do we have the opportunity actually to grow. Now, many of us like to, many of us like to be comfortable in our faith. We like to come to church and sit down and, and, and just enjoy what's go, going on here. And, that, and that's what Sunday morning is all about. And it should really be that chance for us to, to be able to come and to be fed and to have the chance to be challenged. But there's got to be some place in our life where our faith is stretched, where we're tested, where we're caused to be able to, to do something that, no, there's no way I could ever do this on my own. You know, like I always give an analogies of the gym, and I think of, of trying to, to bench press an amount that I, I haven't bench pressed or I've never done before, and I would need somebody over me and saying, okay, I got you here. I'm going to help you with this, but you are going to have to lift more than you've ever done before. And I'll be there. I'm going to spot you. And that's kind of where Jesus is with us. He's testing us all the time, and he's got us. So it's like, why don't we step out? But there's the challenge before us, and that's what's going on here. He's testing him, and, and Philip, you know, answers the way that many of us would answer. You know, I don't know. That's a lot of money. So we go on there. The question is, when is God testing us? And many times I think he is because he wants us to grow. Evidently, the, the disciples did not see this scenario as a test for their faith to grow. Because notice what happens in the book of Mark. I'm going to read for you what takes place there at that same time. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said this. There is a remote place, and it's, this is a remote place, and it's already getting to be late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to nearby farms and villages and find something to eat. Notice it's in the afternoon. They were thinking about what's for dinner, too. So I guess it was going on back in the Bible as well, too, huh? Uh, so there they are. They're like, hey, Jesus, we got a problem. Have you seen all these people? You better send them away so they can go get something to eat. We can't take care of this. And, and pretty much the same kind of response that Philip had. So their answer was simply, Send them away. The crowd has come, and their answer is, ah, it's overwhelming. Uh, send them away. 
Was it a bad answer? Technically, no. Think about it. You know, if that's, that's a problem, that's a challenge, that's monumental, that's a big budget issue, right? <laughs> How do you take care of that? 2,000 people, 20, you know, whatever, uh, uh, was it 5,000 people, so 20,000 uh, with their families that, that are there, and you're going to try to feed them? So the answer of send them away is not necessarily a bad answer because it's like, hey, if everybody goes and takes care of themselves, let's go Dutch, you know, we'll be fine, right? <laughs> that will solve everything because I can't foot, foot this whole bill. That's really, really big. Was it a bad answer? And technically, no. It's logical. Was it an opportunity to grow in their faith? Yeah. This was a chance for them to grow. But they weren't seeing it that way. They were thinking logically, as we often do. But isn't it interesting that the Lord will constantly challenge us to do things that aren't logical? And that's kind of what's going to happen here as well, as you probably know about this story. God is often more concerned with our spiritual growth than he is with us making, simply making logically good and sound decisions. And that's what will mess up your friends. Because you're starting to follow this Jesus, and you're starting to live for him and understand him, and you're starting making decisions where it's going, you're not making a lot of sense. That's not very logical. I can't understand why you would do this. Like, I don't either, but I'm telling you, Jesus is asking me to do it. And so that's what they were doing. They were just thinking logically. Now think about this. At this point, he had already done 18 miracles. So at this point, Jesus had performed so many miracles before them, so they weren't thinking about that. And I kind of wonder about this. Why wouldn't they have thought something more faithful? Because by this time, he'd already turned the water into wine. He'd already uh, been part of uh, seeing a large catch of fish where there was no fishing going on. Um, he, already was, he already calmed the storm. He already had 12 different healings by this point. In fact, he'd already raised one from the dead. And so here it is with this monumental challenge. Do you not think they might have thought, oh, well, I wonder what Jesus is going to be up to today. But no, they go back to logical. And it's kind of interesting. Jesus does great works in our life, and we forget to say, God's been there before. I know he can be there again. Interestingly enough, in the other three Gospels, Jesus uh, simply and succinctly replies to all of his disciples these three words. You feed them. It would have been easier to say, no, no, send them away, you know. Uh, Philip's answer, oh, I don't know, we don't have enough money. Uh, he says, you feed them. Can you imagine the look in their eyes like, uh, Jesus, there's 12 of us, that's a lot. You know, that's a big challenge, but that was his challenge. You give them something to eat. We read on in verse 8 there. Verse 8 says here that Andrew, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that? with this huge crowd. He goes right back to being logical again. Again, it's probably overwhelming. To give them credit, if you and I were in that spot, wouldn't you do that too? Like, but wait a minute, we got five loaves, two fishes, but what good is that? That's something, but it's not enough. There's no way we can feed everybody, and we often do the same thing, you know? It's challenging, but it's easier sometimes to say, okay, how can we do this? We don't have enough. We just don't have enough resources. We don't, we're not able to make this happen. Lord, I'm not in a place where I can serve you right now because I need to work on me. Uh, Lord, I don't have enough money to serve you. Lord, I don't have enough time to serve you right now. I can't feed them. Someone's got to feed me. <laughs> Help, you know. And there's some times for that, right? There's just times for where we need to pull away. But many times I think God is challenging us. To, he says, go feed them. You feed them. I Here's the people right before you. You feed them. And our challenge would be, uh, we can't. Don't got enough. We're not, we don't have enough resources. Lord, I'm not talented, kind of like Moses. I, can't, I can't, can't, can't speak. I can't do this. Lord, why are you asking me? I don't have the resources or talents or abilities to do that. Interesting. Think about this. What if we saw our resources the way others may dream about? In other words, 
Your terrible job could be the dream of someone who's unemployed. Your little home is the dream of the homeless. Your imperfect smile, well, it's the dream of the depressed. Your health, it's the dream of the ill. Your relationships, they're the dream of those who are lonely. Your salvation in Jesus Christ is the dream of those who are, are lost and hopeless. If you don't believe me, join us on a mission trip sometime and see life differently. Do something downtown with the homeless and see life differently and understand that we cannot say we don't have enough. Five loaves, two fishes. It's not enough, Lord. I don't know what we can do. What good is that? And Jesus is probably smiling and laughing on the inside like, oh, let me show you. If you would just give me what you have, let me show you what I can do with that. We often wait, want to tell God what we don't have and why we can't answer his calling. Instead of focusing on what he did give us and how we can use that and how he can use that to do the miraculous. So a better question is, what God can you do with what you gave me? What God do you want to do with what you gave me? Instead of, Lord, we're not getting enough. When we get more, we get a budget. When we get a church building, we get all we can, we can fill in the blank with a lot of things. But what if, what if he's asking us to take what we have right now and to be able to bring it before him? Let's read in verse 10 as we go on. Verse 10, Jesus says this. He says, tell everyone to sit down. And then Jesus said to them, he said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. So immediately he starts giving some directions here, and he says, have them all sit down the slopes. There's 5,000 men, and again, we figure maybe 15 to 20,000 people. Verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the disciples, other people. He gave them distributed to the people, but in the, other, in the other gospels, it says that he distributed to the disciples first, who then gave it to the people. And afterwards, he did the same thing with the fish, and they all ate. Get that? And they all ate as much as they wanted. So he takes the loaves, gives thanks to God, distributes them to the people through disciples, and afterwards they were able to eat. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. A miracle. Right before our eyes, before their eyes, God would do something so incredible that they would all be fed, that they would all be able to be, their needs would be met. In fact, it says they all ate as much as they wanted to. Those Krispy Kremes out there, I cannot wait. I'm hoping that there's still one out there because I've been thinking about that. But could you imagine more donuts, more donuts? They just keep coming off the assembly line. It's like, where is all this food coming from? Fish and loaves for everybody, donuts, Krispy Kreme. That would be a modern-day miracle for me. <laughs> more donuts, baby. They actually have a 5K. It's like the uh, Krispy Kreme 5K, and I think every, every uh, kilometer you have to stop and eat another Krispy Kreme donut. Says, that sounds great. What a great thing, right? Uh, um, but think about it. Jesus could have taken care of all this by himself, though. He did not need the disciples. He really even didn't need the fish and the loaves, to be honest with you. Think about who Jesus is. He could have taken care of this. In fact, that would have been what we would have expected, right? Like, a, okay, let's take, uh, take him to Jesus. He'll take care of it all, right? Uh, let's lead him. No, we'll take him to Pastor Adam. He'll talk to him. I don't have to do this part, right? But instead, Jesus had a different plan. His plan wasn't to just go, okay, I got this covered. It's like, hey, I'm going to bring some people on. Notice what happens here. Five different things that shows that Jesus was building a team of disciple makers who would carry on this long after he was gone. Notice this. Uh, he enlisted, he equips, and he empowers a team. His plan, number one, he asked Philip, 
He said, Philip, uh, where can we buy bread? That was his question earlier. Remember that? Uh, he was basically saying, hey, I need a GPS here. Where do we go to find bread? Is that, can we do that? Then he asks uh, the, all the disciples, hey, he says, uh, uh, kind of an inventory assessment. He says, how much bread do we have? How many fish do we have? Go and find out. What do we have? How much food do we have? Number three, we find here that he has disciples. He asks them, uh, he asks them to come and divide the people up. You know, it says that he kind of divides them up into groups. Some were in 50, some were in groups of 100. But he kind of organizes this mass chaos. 2,000 people, but he kind of says, hey, hey, go out there and put this in order. And so they got some work to do, and they divide people up. Number four, he distributes the bread, and then he does the fish. But he distributes to the disciples first, who then takes it to the groups. So you can see how this actually had order to it. It wasn't just this crazy, chaotic miracle. It was a plan, and he used his disciples to do that. And number five, when it was all said and done, he says, as you're going to see here in a little bit, he actually has them clean up. You know, it's just like make a mess and get out of here. There was a job to still be done. Jesus wants to use all of us in his work. This, he didn't need us on this day. In fact, quite honestly, think about it. It's a, a miracle of feeding. I mean, it was like there's some, there was a need there. They were hungry, no doubt. But it wasn't like they had to have a meal. It was like Jesus saw this as an opportunity to be able to give them, even above and beyond what they even imagined. They, they can skip a meal, right? I mean, it's more than the end of the world if they didn't have dinner that night, you know, like make their way back and, and to wherever they're going and stuff. But Jesus saw fit to bless us above and beyond, and he did that in this situation here. But more importantly, he saw this as an opportunity to build a team who would go out and then feed them. So when he says, you feed them, he's not going to leave us clueless. He's going to give us a plan, and he's going to give us a team to do that. He developed this team to be able to work together so that they could accomplish something great. But this event was just part of the process for something much more important, much more sustainable in the long run. He was making disciples. Remember Matthew 28, 19 says, Jesus says, he's leaving. He says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. So he was working in these guys a plan to build into uh, to them a plan of ministry that they would be able to carry out in the future. He was making disciples. For some people, it was like, we got to eat food. Some people got miracle, had miracles happen. Some were able to get teaching. But Jesus was making disciples. He was, that was important. Let's go to verse 11. Notice, I want to show you something again there. Back to verse 11. Did you catch this? It says there, it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, he looked to heaven, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the disciples and to the people. Afterwards, he did the same thing with the fish, and they, were all, they all ate as much as they wanted. Notice this? Even Jesus relies on his heavenly Father. Notice that? Instead of Jesus the son of God, he was Jesus, all man. And it's like, I can't do this either. Guys, you're right. We don't have enough resources. Uh, we can't take them. We don't have the money. We can't take them somewhere to get a meal. And so I am with you. I can't do this either. And so he relies on his heavenly father. He models what we need to do as well, too. And so then he looks to heaven. He relies on his heavenly father. Then he gives glory to his heavenly father. As he looks, it says he looks to heaven. And then he says he gives thanks to his heavenly father. Interesting. Think about that. He gave thanks. Nothing happened yet, right? Still, everybody's still hungry. There's still no, nothing's happened. There's no food been distributed yet. He, he looks to heaven and he gives thanks. A prayer of faith. Do we pray like that? Where you pray in advance, thanking God for what he hasn't done yet. Isn't that cool? 
He says it gives thanks, and yet nothing has happened yet. They're still hungry. They're still all hanging out. They're still out in their groups. They're all still coming back, and what's going on, you know? The disciples are like, what's up now? And he looks up to heaven, and he gives thanks. I love that. If we would pray differently, prayers of faith, where we believe in advance what God's going to do, it allows him to get even more glory. Because to see the more glory God gets, the more work he can do. Because it's not the glory doesn't go to you and I. It goes to where it's supposed to go. It goes to him. And so in verse 12, we read on. Notice what happens. I love this. After everyone was full. We could stop there. Wasn't that great? Our dream and our prayer at Mosaic is every day when you walk in here, you walk out here full, spiritually speaking. That God has filled you up in a way. He knows your need. We don't even know what it is. We trust that he'll take care of that. And we give thanks in advance before you even get here, praying that God would make sure that everyone's full. But it says here, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Great stuff, huh? Don't, let's make sure we leave this better than we found it, right? Verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And when the people saw him do miraculous signs, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Start recognizing, right? This is not an ordinary guy. This has to be the prophet that we've been expecting. This has to be somebody special, someone unique. And it was. So, long ago on a hillside near the Sea of Galilee, a large crowd came hungry for words of life. Then they became hungry for bread. But at the end of the day, thousands walked away full of bread, but now they were made aware of who the bread of life was. And that's what took place there. So my question for you today is, so what are you hungry for? Not for dinner tonight. Uh, I'm not asking that question because I'm not planning on taking you all out, although that would be kind of fun. <laughs> I'm sure it would be a good time. I'd be like, Jesus, how did you do this? <laughs> I got myself into this. So, but when I'm asking what are you hungry for, it's not really about dinner. I'm really asking you something else, aren't I? I'm asking you, are you hungry for something? Is there something inside of you that says, I need more, I want more? I'm hungering, I'm hungering for something that, that has to fulfill uh, what, I'm, what I've tried before is not working, so something has to be better. Something has to be different. Maybe you're hungry for uh, a time to grow in your steps of faith, and you've been saying, I'm going to follow this Jesus guy, but, but I don't feel like I got it all. That there's something more, and it's time to maybe grow in steps of faith. As Jesus did all this by faith, there was so much faith involved here, and maybe now instead of just understanding about who Jesus it is uh, that we talk about, but understanding this Jesus and then starting to grow in steps of faith to him, where you would actually say, I'm going to have to step out here and trust you, Lord, to do what only you can do. Because if you don't show up here, Lord, I'm going to fall flat on my face. I'm asking you, Lord, to grow my faith. For some of us that may be simply just getting more serious about prayer and reading the scriptures. But it's time to grow in our faith. Maybe in here you're hungry to serve Jesus. You know that there's something. Your life was created for so, so much more than what you're fulfilling right now. It's time to be able to serve and find some team, some place where you can come together and serve. I don't know if you heard, but we're doing this crazy uh, uh, Easter egg drop, uh, candy drop over there at the high school, um, at the football field, so we can reach thousands of people. So there's things to do if you're ready to start serving. There's always a place here to serve in the church. And so it gives you an opportunity. It's Jesus working in your heart to where you have a hunger for something where it's like, you know what, I want to give my life away now. It's time for me. I am hungry. I know that it's not about me anymore. I, I've fed and I've had, an, I've had the chance to eat so much now. I am full, but I want to be able to, to help somebody else. So I hear Jesus calling. You feed them. 
and I want to be part of that process. Maybe today you're hungry for that relationship, that relationship with Jesus. Maybe the one that once was close to you, where you felt like you knew him and you walked with him, but maybe it's, maybe it's been a while. Maybe you're hungry for that again. You know that there were better days when you felt full because you walked with him and you experienced him and you had that chance to grow with him. But maybe something's changed since then. And today you'd be hungry for that relationship to come back. Maybe you're hungry for a relationship with Jesus in the first place. Like, I keep hearing you guys talk about this. It means so much to you and it's so intimate and so real, but it's not in my life. I've never had that chance to accept Christ like that. I wanted to uh, take a chance to go down here to the end of the chapter as we wrap up this this, uh, reading from John 6. Because this is great, and we stop here often. But if you notice that the rest of the story is where the answer is. Uh, We turn down here to verse 26. There's a couple of verses we're going to look at. But in verse 26, we'll notice here that Jesus is still being talked to. So basically, long story short, is that he goes away and the crowds follow him. He goes away and the crowds keep following him. So then they keep following him. And finally, he turns around and looks to him and says here in verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Hmm? You're seeking me because I gave you what you wanted. You're seeking me because it sure tasted good. It was pretty nice, wasn't it? Free lunch, free dinner. It was a good time, right? But you're not seeking me for me, are you? Or are you? In other words, it was, again, Jesus is now testing them, isn't he? He's like, you're seeking me for why? What, what's your reason? Why are you here? Why are you still following me? Are you looking for another miracle, another sign? Are you looking for more fish, more bread? Instead, he goes on in verse 27. says, do not work for the food that perishes. You know, the stuff that we talk about now, that, those Krispy Kremes are going to be gone. Sadly to say, but it's going to be true. They'll be all gone at one point. <laughs> and it'll be, it'll be such a sad moment. But, but are you hungry for something more, something that doesn't perish, a food that perishes? He says here, don't work for that. But work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Yeah, yeah you want the meals today. We need those. That's how we live, right? Day to day, those blessings, those miracles, those needs that we get from God. He sustains us day by day by day. But he says, I want to talk to you about something more. Do you want, are you hungry for something more? Are you hungry for something that's not just temporal, but it's something that will last, that endures to eternal life? Go down to verse 33, and he says here, for the bread of God, like that phrase, right? For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. Who is it that come down from heaven? Jesus. And he comes to give what? Life to the world. Yeah, bread's good. Life's better. Right? Great choice. And he's helping to see there's something you should be hungering for much more than the food that you were hoping to get. It's like, hey, let's keep following the Savior guy because he gives free dinners out. It's awesome. It's a great place to go. But he would go on here and say that there's more to this. Because the bread of life, the bread of God, would give you that which uh, the world cannot give. Verse 34 says, they said to him, sir, then give us this bread always. In other words, kind of like in John chapter 4 when she's, he's, uh, he's telling the woman at the well, you know, hey, if you would have this water that, you, that, that I'm telling you about, you would never thirst again. She's like, by all means, <laughs> give me that water, right? I would never thirst again. Same thing here. He's like saying, hey, if this bread I'm talking about, it's for eternal life. And they say, well, then give it to us always. So they're hungry. They want something more. In verse 35, he goes on and tells them, says, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So he declares clearly, and so sometimes people, it's funny when people read the Bible and say, well, I don't know if Jesus really said that he was, he was God's son or if he was the Savior and stuff. It's right there. I am the bread of life. <laughs> and he makes it very clear. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And not hunger, obviously, in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. Isn't it interesting that some of us follow Jesus and we, we make our strides and we're growing in him, and yet we're like, we want Jesus plus. You know, Jesus is not enough. We want him and these other things. But is Jesus enough on his own? Absolutely. He says it right here. And then he goes on and says in verse 40, skip down there. Verse 40 says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Clearly, evangelistically speaking, uh, you can have Jesus Christ for eternity. He is the one that gives salvation. He is the one that gives us that new life in him. It's only by him. And so by one that would look on him, believe in him, they would have eternal life. There's no other way. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up today? Just want to give you a couple thoughts as we wrap up. And it's been a great morning. We talked about a lot of things. But I ask you once again, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Maybe you're not even hungry this morning. <laughs> Maybe that's possible. And that could be good or bad. It could be good because you're doing everything God's asked you to do and you're following him in every way. And you're, you can say, I am totally satisfied. I ate the fill of the loaves and the fish and I am good spiritually. I, I'm, I'm really not hungry because everything that I've asked of God, he continues to do and I'm doing everything he's asking of me. Or maybe if I ask you, what are you hungry for? And you say, I'm not hungry. It's maybe like you're not really thinking about the spiritual issues of life. And perhaps this morning, maybe, just maybe, your hunger started to rouse a little bit. To where you start thinking, you know what, I really should be hungry about things that are a little bit more important than I spend my time and energy and resources and focus and passion towards. Am I really hungry for the things of God? So I ask you this morning, what are you hungry for? Are you hungry for more than the donuts of life that are delicious for the moment but then gone in an instant? Or... Are you hungry for the bread of life who will cause you to never hunger again? Maybe today you're in a place where you say, this is great. I am actually hungry for more of God. There's steps of faith that I need to take. There are things that I need to do that I need to, I need to pursue. And if you're hungry for him this morning, I guarantee you, he will fill you. So this is a great time to consider that and pray about that. Talk to God about that. Share with him your hunger for him and to know him and to understand him and to walk with him. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will show you a life with purpose that's beyond anything this world could ever, ever compare with. And finally today as we wrap up, maybe you're here today and you are saying, you know what, you're right. And I don't have that. I'm hungry for so much more than what you're talking about. This Jesus this life change, this salvation, this eternal life, all of that, I don't have yet, but I'm hungry. Then you're in a great place, my friend. You've come to the right place. And I don't mean necessarily church or mosaic. I'm talking about you've come to Jesus. If you've come to him, he will give you the bread of eternal life. And so consider him this day as we wrap up. We would love to talk with you if you're ready for any of those decisions. There are leaders all around this room. And just pull one of us aside and say, yes, I'm hungry about what he talked about today. And here's what God's doing in my life. So let's take a moment to pray. And I'm going to pray for you as you make that prayer. And then I would ask that you not keep it silent. If there's something God doing in your life, bring it to somebody who can be able to talk with you, share with you, and give you a little bit of direction on how to get that hunger taken care of. All right? Let's pray.